0: You're listening to the Build Shaves Podcast presented by Midco Sports Network. Midco SN is your go-to for another fall sports season across the Dakotas with 42 live football broadcasts from the Missouri Valley, the NSIC, the G Pack, and the high school ranks coming your way. Not to mention Summer League and NSIC Volleyball and Soccer plus award-winning original programs like Midco Sports Magazine, Day by Day, and the return of Varsity Sports Live on Friday nights at 10.30, the best high school football highlight show in the region. That's Midco Sports Network this this is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Welcome, episode 40 of the Bill Shaves Podcast, episode 3 of the new season, alongside UND Athletics Director Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Sider, taping this on a Monday morning, August the 26th, aka the first day of school, Bill. Big day around the University of North Dakota.
1: It is always a big, big day. Uh, I like the way the university starts it because you start at like four o'clock and it sounds you know odd, but really it's to get the night classes in. And so right. sometimes you might have just one class a week and it might be on Monday night. So that's why we start uh, on a Monday at this point. And so it gets most of the students adjusted today to be able to go and get. Uh, take care of all the business that they might need to take care of and really kick it off tomorrow in full earnest as all the classes are underway. But Grand Forks, uh, very similar. Uh, uh, I know my son that's uh, starting high school, they start today, just the ninth graders, and then the entire school starts uh, tomorrow. So uh, so everyone's... Going back to class.
0: Yeah. We always talk about this, but when UND resumes school, obviously families and and students were on campus this weekend moving in. The town changes almost overnight when students come back. There's just so much new life and expectation. We joked about it last week. It's that Hope Springs Eternal thing with baseball when it starts in the spring. It's the same thing in the fall. It's exciting when everybody gets back and we get this whole school year thing rocking and rolling again.
1: Yeah, this weekend we uh, welcomed uh, uh, a number of our parents uh, of our student athletes. We had a reception for them on Saturday morning. Our uh, our student athlete uh, support service area puts that on, so that was great, and so we were able to visit with them. And uh, it's a big deal. I mean, you're dropping you know potentially um, your child off to uh, you know to. Uh, you know, kind of open a new chapter of their life, and it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 exciting, but it also has probably fraught with a lot of emotion, and so uh, we try to make it as good as possible for for those folks and to say thank you for uh, sharing their son or daughter with us, and uh, and then that night uh, on Saturday night, uh, Bubba, myself, and uh, and uh, Brad Barry, uh, we're speakers at the uh, at the pep rally for all of our uh, uh, new students, and Kyle Doporowski was. The MC, so uh, it was great, and that was kind of run out of our student affairs office. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun.
0: Your daughter now is going to be a sophomore at UND. Kind of talk through her emotions about going because you you obviously talk about other parents giving their children to the university. You're in that same boat. What has that been like now the last two years of seeing her off?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I think the first year is always you know interesting, but once you get going it's almost like uh, it's amazing how quick it's going to go by. And I, I just think she's kind of in a, you know, she knows, you know, her classes, she knows her, uh, you know, who she's studying with uh, within the music theater department and, and I knows the professors. So once you kind of, do that. It, amazingly, you know, she's already in a year two, and then all of a sudden, it's gonna be three, four, and then you're done. And so uh, it goes that fast, it really does. And so, uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a level of excitement. But there's also this, hey, I've been through it before. So I know what to expect.
0: Yeah, it, it's amazing how my, we have a family friend whose son is going to be a sophomore this year at UND and, and she we bumped into her this weekend and she was talking about how, you know, uh, my wife and I have two girls right now under two years old and she kind of joked, hey, just just wait, it's going to be a couple it'll feel like no time and you'll be dropping them off at a college campus someplace. And those are things I just don't want to think about right now. But it does. I'm sure everybody says that it goes fast and I, I, I'm i sure that it will. And I am. Scared to death about those things happening. But. Well,
1: it all ha- it all happens for a reason, and you enjoy every moment. That's what you do that's that, that's my opinion okay not even advice just
0: <laughs> it's a, it's good advice and a good opinion i i agree with you 100 well with the school year beginning it, it means as you mentioned student athletes are back on campus we're gearing up for fall sports we got a lot of fall sports to touch base on we had women's soccer open this past weekend a successful opening weekend with a couple of games a win and a draw we're going to talk about in a bit volleyball football cross country all getting set to begin this coming weekend before we get to all that though on today's episode of the bill chavis podcast uh the big news really from the last time we potted was the announcement that ralph said arena and the university of north dakota are now uh they think everybody's signed on for another 10 years of partnership between the two organizations and through 2030 now that usage agreement is set uh big news obviously for und and for the rea bill
1: yeah no question about it alex i i think uh you know the one thing that's occurred over the uh, the last several years is uh, the the usage agreement seemed to have gone maybe like every three years, and we talk about you know a four-year cycle for a student going and how fast that goes, no different than the usage agreement. So it kind of felt like, you know, once we had just put to bed a, a usage agreement, we we're already discussing it again, and I think the terms uh, I, were being tweaked in a sense, it, but not really altered significantly over the last several years. Uh, Agreements, So I think it just made a lot of sense to just mirror, uh, you know, what potentially could would transpire in 2030 with the lease agreement. And so I, I think at this point, to mirror those two together made a whole lot of sense.
0: Yeah, so exciting news there that 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 is done and exciting for you, the podcast listeners, that we had one of the key men involved in this process that runs the Ralph, Jody Hodgson, had a chance to join Bill and I a couple of days ago on Friday, kind of shortly after this announcement was made. We have a chance now for you to be able to listen to that conversation. So here he is, two time Bill Chaves podcast guest, Jody Hodgson. We're proud to welcome back, longtime friend of the pod, second-timer on the Bill Shapes podcast, Mr. Jody Hodgson, the general manager of the Ralph Engelstad Arena. Big deal, Bill, to have Jody back on the pod.
1: First time that we've had a second appearance, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I'm going to get emotional here. I think at I, it's some a great reunion. I mean, this is really good. But <laughs> what really we're talking about a couple of great things. Yes, we really, really are. Uh, one was, uh, you know, uh, last week we were uh, able to sign a longer term uh, uh, usage agreement that mirrors. Uh, um, you know, the uh, the lease agreement uh, in 2030. And I, I think that will help us tremendously, I think, as uh, uh, as we go forward and uh, in the relationship that we have. And, you know, obviously the facility has been just uh, a godsend for us from an athletic standpoint. And I think we can now talk, you know, futuristically and really think about the things that might make a difference here in the in the near future and, and then even beyond as well.
0: Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, to have obviously the REA and UND conjoined again you know, for the next 10 years now. Jody, just from your chair, just kind of talk me through what that means now to know that this deal is done and there's no question mark about what's going to happen in the future.
2: Yeah, I think it's, uh, as Bill said, it's a great opportunity for all of us. I think all of the things that we enjoy in this business are the things that uh, we want to do every day to try and help our coaches and our student athletes develop and help our programs win and As a support organization for UND athletics, we want to put our time into those activities and we want to sell tickets and sponsorships and develop innovative uh, new ideas to improve the fan experience and everything else that comes with college sports. So um, some of the things in the past that have maybe taken some time uh, in Bill's chair and in my chair with regards to some of that back-end administration or those operational things involved with with contracts and operating agreements – uh, selfishly, uh, for me and probably for Bill too, really nice to put that away and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. we know what the rules of the game are going to be for the next eleven years." And Bill and I've uh, said this privately with ourselves. We said, "Hey, like uh, neither one of us are interested in figuring out how we cut, cut up a ten-dollar bill. We both want to be focused on trying to find a twenty. There like that's where that's where the business is, and that's what we need to do to grow this thing for all of us and our opportunity." We're uh, we're done fighting over how we cut up a ten. We want to go find a twenty, and uh, do the best job we can for both our organizations. That's really a good life motto, right there. I I've not heard that before, and I enjoy that. I'm going to use that
0: probably in life.
2: Yeah, it's not original to me. <laughs> I I stole it from somewhere. I can't remember where, but uh, you know, I think where we're at today um, from my chair. You know, the collaboration with Bill and his staff. That's probably the one part of this equation that um, I think. I might be most happy about to know that this long-term agreement is in place because I think there's been a perception in the community and, and maybe further that, that our organizations have been at odds and that there's this ongoing animosity or conflict. And uh, there's certainly uh, no doubt about it. There, there was some of that during contract negotiations um, at the top of the uh, pyramid in terms of our organizations, but administratively and operationally. Bill's staff and and my staff every day, Uh, it's one unit, everybody under the same umbrella and they're uh, scrapping away as best they can to make this thing work as well as they can and they do a great job of that every day so hopefully we can uh, put that issue to rest and and really help people better understand the, the great collaboration that occurs every day here trying to make UND athletics as, as strong as it can be.
0: Yeah, it does feel like a seamless
2: collaboration. I mean, that's, I think from the outside,
0: looking in from a UND fan perspective, they, they don't know who's an REA employee or who's a UND employee or where that you know, where one ends and the other one begins. Cause there is such a good construct between the two and it is such a good team all the way across, Bill, you got to, I mean, from, from your chair, you've got to agree with that. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: It, you know, it's an us and a we, and, and that's really what it is. And I, it, this gives us a chance to really think about where the industry is going. And I think we have a lot of expertise and a lot of years of experience, uh, sitting in, in all of our chairs and, uh, you know, it, and it's evolving. I think technology has put us in a place where, you know, folks want to be entertained or consume, uh, their, their games maybe even in a different way. And so so I think you know, now we can kind of focus in on those issues per se and, 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 and make us as good as we can be and maybe be a trendsetter in some way shape or form but i think as jody mentioned that kind of the top of the pyramid i want to definitely thank you know chris and jeff cooper and uh and josh Wynn and jed shivers i think uh you know their leadership was fantastic in this and like i said the relationship i think between jody's and ice chair is as strong as it can be and i think between both of our staffs as well so we're excited about where we can go with this but you know we're we're you know Uh, obviously, in in the toughest conference in in ice hockey, uh, obviously, the last four years has uh, uh, shown that and uh, heading to the Missouri Valley in football, that's the toughest conference in the FCS. And then, of course, in the summit, you know, we're going to have to, you know, figure out, you know, as as new kids, so to speak, on the block, not as new, I guess, as Kansas City will be next year, or, but again, they've got a little bit more equity, I guess, having come back to the league, so to speak. So uh, but we've got our challenges and our work cut out for us. And I think that's now we can kind to focus in on that.
0: Yeah. what's well, exciting to, to see this box get checked. And I think, you know, I think a lot of fans probably breathed a sigh of relief that this wasn't going to be something that was going to kind of linger that now this deal is done. And like you said, you can focus more on fan experience and student athlete experience. And that's one of the, one of the other reasons why Jody's here to talk with us today is the fan experience piece, which has been exponentially improved inside the Ralph. You talk about a great taking a, taking an A plus fan experience and then I don't know how you, you double down on that, but you guys have done so this summer. We were just taking a tour of the facility together. The REA looks, I mean, we're, I don't really have the words to tell you, like the, the, the feelings and emotions that get invoked when you walk into this building and the new scoreboard turns on and the fascia ring lights up and David Folsky starts playing video and it's just,
2: it's unbelievable, Jody. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. You know, I think if you relate that situation to our own personal lives, most of us have put a new TV in our house in the last 18 <laughs> years, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think the facility um, is still in great shape today. We've been through 18 years, 18 seasons of programming and hockey at the Ralph. And I think the facility is standing the test of time very well, but certainly technology has changed significantly. And one of those things that's changed is the size of video boards and the quality of video boards the quality of the image and and uh, we hope that the changes we've made this summer get us back out in front of the pack in that regard and really it was all as you said it was geared towards that fan experience. And Bill and I have spent a lot of time talking about what, uh, what's motivating fans today and how they're consuming sports and all the different factors that are affecting attendance. And we, we really wanted to give that fan experience a shot in the arm and try and re-energize that live experience and, and make sure that uh, we put ourselves in a good spot that way. Yeah. Shot in the arm, punch in the face. Whatever, yeah, whatever <laughs> so, it takes. Kick in the rear whatever. It's,
0: <laughs> it's uh, it is something. And, and, you know, people have seen images, I think of the new scoreboard. Cause that really is that that draws your attention, obviously. And that's a big deal. And we, we talked about this on the pod last year. I mean, the biggest center hung scoreboard in all of college hockey. I mean, it rivals you know NHL facilities. And it's just it's just this big, massive thing that just catches your attention. This is you mentioned about a 90 day process. Once you got the parts in for the staff to get this thing up, it, this this took a lot to try and figure out how to get this massive structure to replace a much smaller one without completely changing up the building, kind of talk me through the, the process of how you got this thing. Yeah, it
2: was about a year long process. So when it, when it began, it really started with a conversation I had with Chris Engelsted McGarry down in the penalty box one night. She was here and we were uh, uh, going through a pregame ceremony. She was going to go out and drop a puck. And she looked up at our existing center hung scoreboard. And she said, Hey, what would you do if we could get you a new scoreboard? What, what kind, what would you do, what size, how, what shape would it be, and all those good things. So uh, as a venue guy, right, my heart started pumping pretty good, and I thought uh, <laughs> this uh, this thing's looking real, like there's a chance here we could do it. So it was about a week later, I, I called her and I said, hey, were you serious about the conversation we had in the penalty box? And she said, absolutely. She said, uh, I want to do it, and I want to do it for the fans, and I want to do it for the program, and let's figure it out. So we met with Dactronics and started working on uh, different concepts and looking at different schemes. And there are so many. I had no idea there were so many different shapes and sizes and options out there. And we took kind of the best of all of the ones that we saw and some of the new technology that exists out there. And and were able to create our scoreboard. And once we'd done that, we then had to look up into the rafters and figure out, okay, what's it going to take and we had to add some steel, so we had to add beams and support there. The new scoreboard is more than two times as heavy as the old one. So we went from about 23,000 pounds to about 50,000 pounds. So we had to add some steel to the roof and we had to add to the new transformer, because uh, the increase in the amount of power that would be required and a new hoist to get it up and get it down. So. Once, uh, once we got those infrastructure things taken care of it, the fun started then when they brought in the actual scoreboard and you yeah. start to, it kind of went together piece by piece on site. So it was absolutely assembled in front of us mm. where we were able to monitor that. And we, we tracked it actually with a time-lapse camera. So we were able to summarize that project. And now that it's come together and we've got some images on it, we're really looking forward to the start of the season. Yeah, I think we all are. I mean, it's. I mean, obviously, Bill, you've you've seen it. I mean, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. In Jody could probably get me the actual numbers, but I think uh, although the board maybe there's larger boards in different arenas, but not based on the percentage of seats within the arena. I think I'm yeah. accurate with that. But the other thing that I was going to mention, and Jody can comment on it as well. I love the thought of repurposing the existing board as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we were able to move the uh, video boards from the prior display up to the north and south ends. So we think we've created uh, assets there that can be utilized to help people better enjoy the game. So you're gonna see a lot of real time stats up there. You're gonna see different information that we're gonna use on those north and south boards. So our mindset really with um, the new assets is that our center hung video display is really gonna be the entertainment center for the game. And then those north and south boards, we hope are extremely informative, and we hope they add to people's experience. Uh, we want to make sure that those people that are, are sitting in the bowl and watching the game live have access to to all the information and data that's out there that's supporting the game and uh, really adds to their enjoyment of the game. Yeah. Now that things are are completed, and obviously it's not just the
0: scoreboard. You know, it's a, a new fascia. You've got this great connectivity between the main center hung and all of the different video boards around the arena, I mean, this this process obviously is still ongoing and there's still a month before the season or so, you know, before games really start taking place. So there's still some time to work on this, uh, but just kind of talk me through right now. This is obviously for for us, I think it exceeds expectations for you. Does this kind of match up with your vision and kind of, this is sort of what I thought it was going to look like going in. What do you think, Jody?
2: Yeah, I think it does. It uh, When you kind of think of what you hope for at the end, when you start, it absolutely fits and meets what I had hoped for and what I thought it could be but it was really hard, like you, we saw designs of it and we saw 3D looks at it, so there was computer-generated models and things. But till you actually see it in the space, I really don't know if any of us uh, had a really good grasp on what it would really look like when you lifted it 35 feet in the air and hung it at center ice. So now that we've been able to do that, we've kind of switched gears now. So we've gone from operational mode Now we're into content development mode. Mm. So our meetings today are all about what are we putting on the different boards in different situations. And when you think of it in that bowl, from a game presentation standpoint, we've got a cheat sheet for all of the different situations that might occur. For example, a home power play might be a situation or a home penalty kill or a home goal or a visitor goal. And there's about 52 different things that are going to happen when one of those incidents occur. So from video boards to music to lights to intelligent lights to PA and everything else that occurs so we're trying to walk through those now and that uh, that's really the fun part right for oh, guys for sure. in our business yeah. that's the that's the creative part yeah. and the fun part of trying to design those moments yeah complicated but but fun and worthwhile certainly and then when you get those experiences to see the fans light
0: up when that first goal goes in in that Manitoba game and this happens for the first time that's going to be fun to see, just the reaction on people's faces.
2: Yeah, there'll be a few of us watching to see and uh, make sure all of those 52 items get checked. But uh, we'll certainly be looking at the crowd, too, for sure.
1: And I guess it could go on, and then we have to worry about video replay, right, Alex? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. so there's yeah. that going on, so there's that. So
0: That's we'll- another Bill shapes Pod bingo that you can just check off, talking about instant Replay. There's don't, a lot of different things, yeah.
1: I do go back to that a lot,
0: don't I? <laughs> Because it's important. It's an important thing, certainly. That's right. Um, I want to ask, Bill. um, Obviously, you know, Coach Barry and the team have, have been in and have kind of seen. Obviously, the ice is just being put in as we speak right now. So they've not practiced on the Ralph rink. You know, they've been doing things at the Olympic rink, of course, instead. What what's been your take from a coach's perspective? What has Brad said about about this process of making this building look like it does right now? Yeah,
1: I mean Brad is incredibly thankful, like we all are, to the engelsted family and uh, foundation and Chris and everything that they've done. I, I think, uh, yeah, you know, it's a it's a premier venue that just became better, if that's even possible. And so I, I don't know if you can go from number one to really number one. And so that's really what's uh, occurred. Definitively, and so, defi- yeah, like like, but, like yeah, it's in bold. You
0: I mean, that's just it. Yeah, exactly. We
1: changed the font from like 12.5 <laughs> to 18.5. <laughs> That's what we did, <laughs> what and everybody did. else is in twelve point font. Yeah. So, no, it's a, uh, it's it's it is a wow, and uh, and I think uh, when I when when I was uh, discussing it with Jody the very first time, you know, I think that was probably the goal in a sense is how do we get to wow? Because getting folks into mm-hmm. facilities and and wanting to come back and, and having that communal experience and and making sure you're you're um, you. You're giving them the best experience possible. Uh, it, it, it takes a little bit now, given the fact that all of our you know games and such that you want to watch is really in your pocket now. Yeah. And so that that becomes interesting for sure.
0: yeah well this this is gonna make people that maybe were on the fence like, ah, can I can just you know stay home and watch the game or should I go and be here in person? You have to just see this thing to believe it and it, I just I, I think once you know people experience this they're not going to want to stop experiencing this because it is really special and unique. And especially around here, you just aren't going to find a game experience like this any place or a, or a venue like this. And like we just had mentioned, it already was incredible. And now you've just upped it. I, it's just amazing. So I, I don't know. I, one of the great things I know, Jody, for you is that you, before that October 5th game against Manitoba, you've got a couple of games to kind of tune up and sort of figure out the kinks and kind of get ready for the, sis- for the season. That's got to be nice to have a little bit of a buffer before UND play gets started.
2: Yeah, we're going to have a couple of those. There's uh, about 30 young guys in town are going to do a dress rehearsal for us mm. here one night. Uh, some of our hockey academy kids are going to play a game for us out there when we can run through uh, a full game presentation. And what a cool experience. Yeah, that'll be fun that'll for them awesome. for sure. And then we're going to host uh, two American Hockey League preseason games. So, the weekend before the UND home opener versus the University of Manitoba, we'll have uh, the Manitoba Moose and the Iowa Wild here for a couple of games. And we'll, uh, we'll certainly, hopefully, uh, if there's any kinks in the wire, we'll work them out that weekend to get ready for the UND game on the fifth. Oh, excellent.
0: I suppose the last question, or maybe not the last, last question, but this, you know, every year it feels like the Ralph does something, you know, just to kind of up the ante a little bit and improve, as we mentioned,
2: fan experience, student athlete experience boys is a tough one to top. Yeah, we uh, we may have our hands full for next summer. I, uh, I certainly uh, understand that. And it's really, you know what, I don't think we're any different than anybody else involved with UND Athletics, right? I know Bill's done the same thing with his staff and his operation all summer. I know Bradbury sat in the basement for three weeks when the season ended, right, last year and said, what do we got to do to get better? And they have now gone about that business all summer as they prepare for the season. So, I think maybe some of the changes that we've made are pretty visible because of the, the nature of them, but I think that uh, there's been a lot happen on all fronts uh, with the Department of Athletics, including the hockey program. I think everybody's of the same mindset, and that's really a, a fun environment to be in, and we know some of the ones that are very visible will certainly attract some attention, but uh, when you talk about the goal that Brad has for his program and the things that they're trying to achieve – Boy, they've done a—they've done a lot of things this summer and had a heck of a summer as well. And those may not be as visible to folks, but uh, I think they're going to really enjoy. The outcome of that uh, come fall as well. Yeah, certainly. Well, the hope would be the next improvement would be another national
0: championship banner that they can hang. That'll be the next thing you'll have to worry about for next year, figuring out how to scoot some things over and make room for that.
1: Those would be great uh, issues to have, Alex. Yes, <laughs> I, I would sign up for that right now. The uh, The other thing is, too, you know, obviously all of our sports, you know, we're striving to make life better for for all of our programs. And so, uh, you know, this is just, a you know, maybe just a piece of the puzzle, if you will. A, a rather large piece, for sure, but, but a piece. To the puzzle
0: yeah excellent good well jody we thank you so much for taking some time again there's a reason why you're the first ever repeat guest on this pod fantastic a fantastic interview you're just a great guy and you're just fun to have on we appreciate you coming on best of luck getting all the kinks worked out
2: well thanks a lot for putting up with me and i've got uh alec baldwin's record on snl in my sights now so that's uh <laughs> that's where we're going here <laughs>
0: Always really good stuff to have Jody, just in any topic of conversation. My, my favorite is always in the email chain as we get ready to have Jody on or whenever you do anything with Jody. It's always like this great, well, what's the conversation about? World peace? Are we going to solve this disease? Are we going to talk about economics? Are we talking about sports? It's, it's always so, the world according to Jody. It's always so funny. And then you get him in the room and he really could speak intelligently about anything. Guy's just a gem. Just, just a heck of a guy.
1: He is, and I'm glad we were able to uh, talk about the uh, the video board as well. So that worked out yeah. great. And so, uh, yeah, w- from time to time, it just makes a whole lot of sense to have Jody on because there's so many things that occur at the Ralph and the Betty for us, and he's on completely the front lines. And he and I work very, very well together. So you're right. Uh, it, being a second time potter, I, I think at the end of the day, he, I could see him being a third and a fourth <laughs> timer too. I do. I, I mean, I, I you were talking about the SNL host thing where you if you do it five times you're in a special category yeah, yeah. J- Jody I think is good it's going to be like Liverpool and Man City they're just going to race away with, uh, with points this year <laughs> Jody's
0: their Alec Baldwin he's just he's always there for us when we need him reliable yeah I, I, I agree with you so good well hopefully I'm sure over the course of time things will come up he'll be back on the pot he point. gives us
1: a quality start every time doesn't he every time every, every time. time he's seven innings book it Okay. Unlike the Red Sox staff, oh, except for uh, except for uh, Eduardo.
0: Yeah, that's right. Erod is about the only guy that you could put into that category. We're hey six games back. We'll talk about that on the B side just briefly because the dream is just dwindling day by day. But they're hanging in there. They're hanging in there. I got it. Um, speaking of not just hanging in there but excelling a little bit, let's talk about fall sports. We had the. Women's soccer team open up really the fall sports calendar for UND with a couple of games at home this past weekend back at Bronson Field. Chris Logan and company taken on two really good teams. Montana, the defending Big Sky Tournament champions, and then St. Mary's, a very good team from the West Coast Conference. They get a, well, obviously no goals on Friday in, in a nothing-nothing draw, but played great defensively, had some great chances to win the game. And then Sunday, in a day that was just wet and gross and you had to move up the kickoff time... Uh, they battle with Saint Mary's through 90 minutes, that's not enough to separate after a 1-1 you know draw. they go to extra time and a big golden goal winner in the second frame of, of OT gives youy their first win of the season. A couple of big performances and really good a good foundation I think for this team to build on to open up the 2019 season bill.
1: You no, know, that was a really good description, Alex. I, you know, uh, first and foremost, kudos to our uh, facility staff at, at UND for putting Bronson Field and really the condition that it's in right now. I, you know, obviously last year we couldn't play there because we were redoing the field, and I think that was kind of a long time coming. Uh, and I, the field, although it's still a bit immature, I, I, it still is is much much better than where we've ever been before. And I think we look forward to potentially, you know, doing a few other. Things things such as I think we said last week uh fencing some things off and just just to make sure that both aesthetically that we're treating the field the way it needs to be treated. But uh yeah, it was a it was a good weekend. Montana last year was the representative from the Big Sky conference in the NCAA tournament. And so they ran through uh the Big Sky last year, I think as the number five seed. I could be wrong with Correct. that, nope. but I think that's you right. Got it. Yeah. And, and, and they had some injuries, I think leading up to the tournament or uh, throughout the year. So they were at full gear uh, or full bore when they got to the tournament, uh, the big sky tournament and and got it done. So, so for us, you know, I think it had chances both ways. And uh, you know, honestly, I thought we had the better of the quality chances to score, maybe grade A chances if you were in maybe uh, hockey parlance, so to speak, but, (laughs) but, but I think, you know, Montana had their chances though too. And uh, I think we did a pretty good job, um, uh, you know, coming out with a zero zero draw. And it was one of those uh, where I think that was probably a result that was fair to both sides. Now, Sunday was interesting. Now, St. Mary's, a West Coast conference school, obviously very difficult conference schedule, right? With Santa Clara and uh, yeah. uh, Gonzaga and go go make it up, right? Pepperdine and, and, and all of those uh, schools, very, very difficult. Having gone to Fargo and lost... Coming back up now to Grand Forks, you're getting a really focused St. Mary's team. And uh, I thought after going down, uh, you know, by a goal, uh, we 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 countered right off a corner about you know less than two minutes later. And good. that was huge, huge. And then to find a way and, you know, you can call it lucky, you can call it whatever. But we had a dis- deflection that ends up going in. But honestly, Alex, if you don't have the pressure and you don't make those you, you make those things happen. So mm-hmm. it was uh, it was great, and uh, you know Megan Wilson uh, was credited with the goal. And so, uh, so away we go one zero and one, and now we're on the road this week.
0: Yeah, South Carolina, the Palmetto State's coming up for Chris Logan and the girls uh, out at South Carolina State on Wednesday, and then at the Citadel on Friday. So. little little sojourn to warmer (laughs) climes coming up for the ladies before they come back home. Soccer's a little different than volleyball. We're going to talk about volleyball, and obviously they'll be on the road so much in the fall. Soccer has so many home dates. They'll make a quick trip to the south, then they're right back home the next week. It's nice that you kind of do get these constant base touches with the women's soccer team this fall.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I, and I think, you know, we probably it would be unfair if we didn't mention Katherine Klein uh, back in goal. And uh, I thought she had a good weekend uh, for sure. Uh, she kind of controlled uh, that area. And so uh, always good when you can have a senior uh, keeper. Uh, and, and, you know, we I, I know Chris is excited about a lot of other uh, folks that's, uh, you know, deep on his roster. And I know he's excited about some of the young keepers as well. So uh, but to learn from someone that's kind of been through it always is a good thing.
0: Yeah, she had 13 saves in two games. Shut out, of course, the clean sheet against Montana on Friday and only allowed the one goal off a set piece on Sunday. Remember, she was the 2017 Big Sky Goalkeeper of the Year. Missed all of last season with injury issues. Now she's back. It's great to have someone like that succeed after being gone for so long from the game. And as you said, this is you know one of many bright spots for this team moving forward. It's, they were picked to finish uh, sixth, I believe, in the conference and you know just finished outside the top four last year. I, there's a lot of optimism i think that this team is going to be better than people think and I, that, that it starts with her in goal and you, and you just it goes from there so exciting days ahead i think for und soccer
1: no doubt so south carolina state on wednesday night and then uh, play the citadel on friday
0: Yeah, good luck. Good luck to the ladies as they go down south. Uh, Speaking of going south, the volleyball team under new head coach Jeremiah Tiffin, they open up their season coming up this weekend in Louisiana. Uh, four, Four games in a span of three days down there, three of which at the University of New Orleans Tournament. Uh, they get to play some, some household names, <laughs> New Orleans, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Louisiana, Monroe. You know, just because we're not from that area, they just maybe not necessarily those cachet-type names. And then they get uh, a team that people should be familiar with, the Mississippi Valley State, who the football team, of course, opened up with. A volleyball team, obviously, again, uh, is a, is a young squad, only one senior in the group. Got some experience last year. Of course, a lot of those young kids had to play bigger roles. They were picked to finish 6th in the Summer League preseason poll after finishing 5th a year ago. Very similar story as soccer. I think people from the outside would look and see, ah, it's a young team. They're replacing, like Jordan Vail, for example, graduating last year. They're replacing some big-name players. New coach, of course, kind of a new system. But a lot of young talents and a lot of kids that are coming up and had gotten a taste of what this is like last year. Now in their second year in the Summer League, a chance to go out and prove some people wrong right off the bat.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I think it's a great way to start for us. Um, I think uh, you know a number of times you could uh, go in and go to a Power Five tournament, and that always can be challenging. And and I think depending on the team that you have coming in, I think this this type of tournament suits us. Now, again, I, obviously Jeremiah will know a whole lot more about the uh, uh, about the teams we're playing, but certainly I would I would say it's fair to say it's within the band of uh, of of where where probably we should be and knock on wood, hopefully, you know, led by uh, Ashley Bruggeman, you know, hopefully, you know, she can, she can kind of lead the way a little bit since she's had, uh, you know, she's probably the one, one, uh, I guess, veteran that you can kind of lean on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say so too. Yeah. So the, those gals will get started on Friday pair T- 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 prepare games on Friday, one on Friday morning, at 11 a.m. and then Friday afternoon as well, Uh, and then one on Saturday, one on Sunday, so four games in three days coming up for Jeremiah Tiffin as that era of UND volleyball kicks off. Uh, Speaking of new eras as well, Christine Engel and the cross-country programs getting started this Friday down in, not not as far of a trip, just down in Fargo at the North Dakota State Open. Uh, The women, by the way, picked to finish fourth in the Summer League preseason polls. The men picked to finish fifth. What's the kind of the mood around the cross-country program right now, Bill, as they get started for the first time in three decades under new management?
1: Yeah, they are, uh, you know, ex- I think excited. I think uh, Christine's brought, you know, just a you know, new set of ideas like you would. I, I mean, she's seen it from a, a number of different places. And so that's exciting for us, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, where she's coming from, uh, from Fresno State or uh, Elon or her uh, Duke days. So uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, she's, gonna, she's already brought a, 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 just a different uh, energy. And uh, I think our, our student athletes are excited. And yeah, they'll go down to Fargo and, uh, and see how we do. And, uh, you know, she got here late enough, uh, Alex, that, you know, I think her, her, how should I say, better recruiting days will be ahead. And because Seriously. she was just here, boy, I, I mean, really, this isn't even her recruiting class per se. I mean, her first recruiting class will be next year or yes, this yes. year for next year.
0: Yeah. So cross country opening up Friday football just a day later, opening up at home for the second year in a row, four o'clock military appreciation day at the Alaris as UND takes on Drake, year six of the bubber Schweiger era. A lot of high excitement coming around this program, receiving votes in some preseason polls, a lot of returning starters back on both sides of the football. You just can't wait to get out there and pack the Alaris this weekend.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, if you're not uh, headed to the lake, so to speak, I know it's Labor Day weekend, always a little tricky to play on Labor Day weekend. But I think, you know, for us, as a program, it's great to open up at home. And so, uh, you know, you just, you battle, you know, the, the kind of that last weekend where you, you know, some folks might, uh, you know, otherwise maybe not be in town. We we understand that. We 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 get that for sure. But um, but I think the guys are excited about opening up at the Alaris, opening up at home. And uh, you know, Drake is going to be really difficult opponent. You know, they've uh, they've played uh, you know some really uh, uh, you know sh- strong games over the last uh, several years. And, and and not to mention, I think we mentioned it before against Iowa State toward the right at the end of the year last yeah. year. And so you know, th- we'll we'll have our hands full. But, you know, we're excited about, you know, what's coming back. And I think uh, Danny's new offense is, you know, they've had, you know, spring ball and and, and obviously parts of the summer and then the fall. And I think we're ready to go.
0: When you think about the start of a new football season, especially, we got a little taste of it this past weekend with the FCS kickoff uh, with... Uh, Youngstown State playing Sanford, and you know that Miami was playing Florida like there's just those little steps but it's different until your team plays you know you can kind of see it on TV or you see it from afar you hear about it but when it's your team that's taken the field for the first time it, there's that's that's really when it feels real and we we just had a little production meeting this morning because Midco obviously again carrying all six UND home games this year live thank you uh, for a li- that by the way our pleasure. I'm <laughs> Excited to be a part of the coverage again this year. But we were chatting about the game, and it is kind of like, oh my gosh, it's game week. We have a game this weekend. And there's just that much more excitement. I think that's going to continue to build and build. You could see it around the guys. We were at practice the other day, and just guys are excited to play somebody, you know, just to play a different opponent. It's all coming to fruition coming up this Saturday at four o'clock.
1: They they flip the switch for sure on game week because you just go into prep mode, and uh, so it should be uh, it should be you know an exciting week for sure. Um, and you know we learned Alex over the weekend that last year was last year, this year is this year. So Villanova goes and beats Colgate, who was quote unquote yeah. number thirteen in the country, right? And, uh, and and Samford had a nice year last year, but I thought Youngstown did a good job handling them, and they kind and just they wore them down with their running game. But uh but yeah Villanova had a good good day um up in uh Hamilton, New York. So uh you know it's just funny. You you never know until you start playing the games who's gonna end up being that team. I mean I, if you go back we could go back you know last year, 2018 Maine was sort of the surprise team, kind of made it all the way to the semifinals. In 17, it was Kennesaw, and no one knew much about them, and they made it to the quarter. 16 was Youngstown made the trip all the way to the finals, Um, and in 15 was Charleston Southern. And so so there's some, you know, if you go back just those four years, you just know that schools coming in that might be kind of off the radar screen right now, you never know how it's going to play itself out.
0: Yeah, that's what makes the sport fun, especially at this level. You you never know those surprises, and it's fun to see kids peak and kids improve. Eric Schmidt had a great quote about that. He was talking about how fall camp is just the best time of year because you come in with the – kind of a preconceived notion after you've seen the guys in the spring and and you know you know their body of work you kind of have your depth chart and you kind of think all right these are going to be the guys and he said you're always surprised sometimes like who makes a leap over the summer who grows up who gets it mentally or who blossoms physically and that totally changes the plans that you've got and that can be the case again any different position any different program and that's why it is so tough to look at a preseason poll and say all right here are the good teams. Here are the teams not so good. You just don't know.
1: I think I think preseason polls are just that. They they reward what transpired the year before. But if you yeah. look at if you look at even what we were talking about when we opened up the show regarding a student going from their freshman year to their sophomore year, you know they there's there's not a lot of newness to it at this point. They've already been through it to some degree. And you know there's no doubt. You can't tell me that a, a first time, you know, just out of high school, you're trying to figure all this stuff out, all of a sudden, you've had a year under your belt, you might be ready to blossom. And so a lot of times our coaches, they know what they have. It's just maybe potentially our fan base doesn't know yet.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to find out a little bit more again coming up Saturday at four o'clock. We should mention, by the way, Spectra and UND and the Alaris Center combining for some new options in terms of meal, meal options. And uh, that's <laughs> I selfishly, I always look and think, oh, what, what new food is going to be there at the Alaris this year? Uh, the, the crepes from our friends at French Taste are going to be on hand, sweet and savory. Get a little French crepe to go along with your football. I saw apple tarts are going to be available with ice cream for a little dessert item, rice bowl with a various protein. Deke's pizza's back. Like, there's a lot of different things kind of going on. I, I think from a fan experience, it won't be like these crazy wholesale changes, like when you walk into the Ralph for the first time this year. But it's all those little things, I think, that, the the Alaris and UND inspector do a nice job of just to kind of up the ante just a little bit every year something new to look forward to and get excited about
1: yeah and and I'd say this is uh you know we had a game day experience committee uh that that is in their third year and this is their final year and they did some uh you know terrific work over the last few years uh, you know initially was led by Mike Manassa and Peter Stenjum. Peter the whole time was a, a co-chair I I kind of slid in here in year three but uh, it's it, it, you know that group did a wonderful job and and Anna's group over at the Alaris does a great job and we're always trying to figure out ways how can you make the experience that much better no, no different than we talked about with Jody right and so yeah. at the end of the day you know that's where we are right now we we're, we're in a different technology age and so we're we're trying to think of things, you know, what needs to happen moving forward. And knock on wood, hopefully, uh, we've got some other things in, in the hopper for, for, for next year and beyond as well.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the technology, by the way. All digital tickets, I believe, was one of the new new things as well. Is that correct? For so student, student body, body. For the for student body.
1: body. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, uh, you know, that was something we needed to do because of the Memorial Union, which is literally... Coming down, like literally as we speak, you know. Um, and so, thanks. Thankfully, we're in a nice soundproof room here at the Hislam. so we're in good shape. We are not hearing it, but at you the can't end hear
0: of, the machinery in the you background. You can't
1: hear though. the machinery, but it actually is happening. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've been wanting to do that anyways, and this was the perfect, uh, you know, opportunity to do that
0: yeah well good stuff again Saturday 4 o'clock come out first game of six home contests this year for UND football should be a fun matchup against the Drake team that has been very competitive in the Pioneer League the last couple of years uh, yeah we are excited excited to get football back in our lives again uh, one other quick UND note in terms of things to do this week one of the cool things that the REA has done the last couple of years along with the UND hockey program is to invite back pros with UND ties to kind of have a, a pro development camp for a week or so and just sort of have, have some of the guys that are in the NHL or the AHL, show some of the younger guys how it's done and, and keep those connections close. And so it's the, the UND pro camp is what they call it. And that's going on this week. It's open to the public. I believe practices are at 11 a.m. Uh, great chance. To, it's a lot of recent UND guys, guys that were a part of teams in, from 2014 kind of through even really last year's squad. When you think of Rhett Gardner from last year, Shane Gursich from a couple of years ago, Trevor Olsen, Austin Pagansky, but even going back to the likes of Nick Schmaltz, who's had a phenomenal NHL career already and Zane McIntyre that's going to start his first year with Vancouver this year and Luke Johnson and uh, some local guys, some guys from the Twin Cities, but a really great roster of guys coming back to participate in this. So again, a chance to get out to the REA and just be around some of the some of the recent greats of UND Hockey who are making a trip back to Grand Forks this week.
1: Yeah, no question, Alex. I I think, you know, hockey is always kind of interesting because you need ice, right, to practice. And so there's a so so this just in. uh, uh, But at the end of the day, you know, to be able to get our alums back and uh, and, and continue to connect them with the program is huge. And so, uh, um, you know, so this is the week before they get uh, rolling in back to their uh, professional lives.
0: Yeah, so great to have those guys back again. Go out and check them out, free to the public and open to the public coming up this week. It's now starting, uh, well, when you listen to this, it started yesterday, but it'll run all week uh, at the REA. Anything else on your mind, Bill, from a UND or NCAA perspective as we get ready to kind of kick off the fall sports season?
1: No, I think that's it. I think, uh, you know, it's exciting times for sure. And uh, soccer got us going, and uh, now everybody's kind of full bore this week. So I uh, appreciate everyone that does come to our games, buying tickets, tailgate spots, et cetera.
0: Yeah, excellent. Well, let's flip over to the B side. We'll, we'll keep it a little bit shorter this week, just because the Red Sox are sad, and NFL stuff hasn't quite started yet, and Spurs are kind of sad. I don't know how much you want to go into the, the sale of Tottenham's first defeat this season—a uh, surprising one 0 loss at home to Newcastle. What did you? What did you make of Pochettino and the boys this weekend?
1: Thirty-eight match journey, and so mm. you—you don't—you <laughs> don't—you know. I, I, I would. I would it's just part of it. I, you know, they weren't good on Saturday and I, I just think they've got some things they're trying to figure out. They, um, you know, Deli Alley's still not playing, uh, yeah. which makes a difference. And Erickson, that whole contractual situation's really interesting for people that don't follow uh, you. It, it, well, his contract ends at the end of this year uh, in May, June, whatever that is. And so he can walk away for nothing or they could sell him, which they are, I think the, the window has now closed. Right now, is that accurate?
0: Well, in in England, it is still open through Europe to the end of August. So there's still a couple five more days left for the likes of Bayern or Real or somebody to step up. Although a lot a lot of a lot of the destinations though now are being filled. Like other other teams are buying guys in his position. It's it's going to be hard to see him leave at this point. But you never know. So the reason
1: why they didn't start him on uh, on 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 Saturday or Sunday. I just, odd. I just, yep. I, I just against a team that literally played five defenders and four midfielders. I mean, it really, I think they're playing a 5-4-1. a 5-4-1, yep. Yep, and so, mm-hmm. you know, once they scored, you know, they were going to play defense and they were just going to sit back there and they were going to be content on doing that. And honestly, the Spurs never really threatened them with any quality chances. So, you know what, they, they got what they got. Yep. They earned it. They earned. A, they earned the L. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to tell you: They're probably going to turn right around and go to Arsenal and win. That would be
0: honestly. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Sometimes, just just knowing this team, and especially knowing that rivalry too. I mean, this game kind of was a bit of a trap game for you. When you think about a Newcastle team that has changed managers, s- sort of brought in some talent, but not not really. They didn't really make any splash signings this summer. There's a lot of infighting between. The owner, Mike Ashley, the fan base, like the whole the whole club, has kind of been in crisis for a couple of years. And they were my pick to be relegated. They looked awful the first two games of the season. I, I just don't know if they're going to have enough to stay up in the top flight. And you get this team at home before you play your big rival. T- Spurs had eighty percent possessions. Possession was seventy nine to twenty one, but like you said, not a lot of good chances. Newcastle had three shots on target. to Spurs two. You only had two shots on target the entire game. I think I think they got what they got. Is kind of that's about right. That's about right.
1: There's two teams that are going uh, they're going to separate themselves no doubt about it. And then there'll be certainly four for two spots and maybe a fifth team sneaks in there or sixth, who knows. I mean it's hard to say, but I think, you know, it's matches like this coming up this weekend will be interesting for the Spurs. But I uh, I let me and I know you want to play bingo with our podcast, but let me talk VAR for one second. <laughs> Check that box. Do you, do, you believe, do you believe this? Let me ask you this question. Uh, now that I've watched it for, for three matches, I would be much more – I would be happier if we only used it for if the ball actually crossed and was a goal or if it was a handball. That's it. Mm. Nothing for taking down in the box because I think there were a couple over the weekend that were a tricky and you could have made you could have made arguments either way, and, and maybe when you're making the argument either way, that's enough to say well the call on the field stands. But at the end of the day, let that call I think go with the referee on the field it, because Harry Kane was brought down i don't know if i would have made that call i think the call was fine not making it but i think and i was listening to one pod right the two robbies and and one of the robbie said look you can't tell me that the defender didn't know what he was doing he knew what he was doing yeah Yeah. And, and, and 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 so when that happens then how do you not call it To some degree. So so why even just take that all out and just let let the officials make the call on the field and that's it. And then you deal with the other two things, whether it's maybe offsides, handball or potentially did it cross the goal or not.
0: So I think what you're saying is drifting. So the, the subjective calls versus the objective calls. And, and allowing the opinion of the official to just be what it is. But like you said, if it is an offside call where it is literally looking at a line on the field, that's some, yep, that can be something that VAR can do. Did the ball hit the gentleman's hand? That can be something. I mean, I think, there's, I think that's what the Premier League would like it to be, and I think that's why VAR hasn't been overturning many of these calls like that that are a little more down to what the official on the field has seen. But you're right. Right now, I think the language where it says, hey, if there's a clear and obvious error, we can come in and make that call the video assistant referee, it, it, does really, it leaves a lot of wiggle room and it leaves a lot of room for debate, certainly.
1: You crystallized it very well. How could it ever be really clear and obvious for a subjective call? Yeah. You know, an objective call, obviously, it can be clear and obvious. so so why even put them in that weird spot? It's good back to pi, right? It's going to be what's you know in in the CFL, I, I still think it's it's interesting to me they've had um, uh, replay on a pi. So and it's not that big a deal. they just move on and maybe the NFL, it'll be that way as well. but that's kind of that subjectivity as well
0: interesting stuff it's just every week there's one or two calls that kind of pop up and it just it starts the debate all over again and that's that right the spurs spurs lost this week was kind of one of the big talking points about this whole thing so a
1: little bit i think i think they, that was a good talking point for the greater good of the league i mean I, yeah. I mean the the talking point of the spurs not playing well that's really what it was <laughs> let's start there they were not good they were not good and potch there's something going on with potch we gotta we gotta wake potch up so uh I like him a lot. So uh but he feels I feel he's a bit sad right now. Yeah. It kind
0: of kind of seems that way, doesn't he? Yeah. You never know what's going on behind the scenes sometimes. And know. Maybe that's a good segue to Andrew Luck. And I saw you had a you had a good tweet about that yesterday and obviously that was kind of the big sports news of the weekends. Um when a you know 29 year old superstar quarterback kind of steps away, you know, 2 weeks before the season. Um, what? just kind of for people that didn't see it, what did you kind of say on social media about Andrew and his decision to step away from the game?
1: I just was surprised. I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised on kind of reaction over reaction. It's kind of where we are in life right now. And it, everyone has a format or a potential platform to get their word out. But I don't know that that one seems like if you've ever been around. The game of football I, I the boy, you had better be all in to play that game, and you know yeah. and no one no one could ever decide what someone's going through, but it's just weird. I mean people have interesting takes on someone that they've never met and, and don't know yeah. what they're going through it's just yeah. odd and, and some of them are people that are literally in the business or the industry that they actually get paid to have these types of takes, which, again, I, I, I don't know. I just was amazed. I thought I thought Andrew Luck handled it with grace on Saturday night after it kind of came out. I think from what I'm gathering, or at least what I read was, I think there was going to be a press conference on Sunday. I don't think he had ever any intention of necessarily doing what he did Saturday night, but I think it, it got leaked. And so yeah. once it got leaked, he kind of just went and did it, in a sense, off the cuff. And I thought he did a hell of a job.
0: Yeah, it's you could see how emotional he was. Obviously, it was a big decision, and I think to to go and speak right after he had been booed off the field after the Colts preseason game, which was tough. Tough. I mean, that's uh, I, uh, sad that that would be what people would would do in the, in the heat of the moment. But uh, when you think about his, I got two two things I want to touch on. Obviously, when you think about the injury history that we've got, and I think anybody, probably a lot of people have looked this up, but torn cartilage in two ribs, torn abdomen, lacerated kidney, at least one concussion, probably more. Torn labor in his throwing shoulder that nearly ended his career a couple of years ago. And then this weird calf and ankle issue that was going to really hinder him this season. I mean, the guy's been just beat up in playing pro football for the last seven, eight years. And it's hard, I think, for an outside person to look. Because I think, here's the thing. When all the players, guys in the league or guys that have just left the league, are saying, yeah, I mean, that guy... That guy gave everything. Like, that guy was a warrior. Like, I respect that decision. For, I think, people that have lived it and f- know what it feels like for your body to be that banged up, to have that much respect, it's really tough for somebody that has not gone through that type of physical pounding. And mental, like you said, you got to be all in because these guys are 120-hour are weeks or whatever it is. I mean, just the mental and the physical exhaustion that goes with being a pro football player or a pro athlete in general, it's so much. It takes a toll. I think for people that don't experience that to then say like, you know, to to have negative takes on something like this, it's a little sad. It's, it's it's unfortunate that it has to be like that.
1: People can you know have any opinion they want. That's fine, and they can voice it. And we as consumers don't have to consume it either. So yes. that, that we do have those choices. Right? You can flip the channel. You can you can get off of social media. You can do anything you want to do. So there, there's that. But I, I would say the differential between even college and pros. I I, ha- I worked with uh, I worked with a counterpart at, at one point, or I should say, someone that worked with me um, at, at one point, and. He, he, he went to back-to-back games on a Saturday and Sunday, and he was on the sideline for a variety of reasons. One was Alabama playing, and the, uh, the next day was the Tennessee Titans. And he said the differential in the collisions on Sunday was like JV football versus uh, the NFL, I mean, it was unbelievable, like the next level of, you know, you think about how great the, the, the football players play at the college level. But then there's a whole nother level, because, again, there's another uh, grouping that, that gets uh, filtered into. And, you know, you better be dialed in. And if you've never done that, it's just interesting to me if someone has interesting opinions about yeah. him as, a, as, a, as an individual.
0: Yeah. The other thing uh, that I wanted to talk about. So obviously, when you see the reaction from Colts fans, and uh, you know, it, obviously, you're, you're bummed out because this is a guy that you know, a lot of emotional reactions and some, some positive, but some, you know, some burning the jerseys and booing him, obviously, as he walks off the field, like, you know, those things happen. Uh, my question now is why? Why is the response that visceral? When someone like this walks away? Like when we have, let's say, for example, that you really love a band. Or you're really into music, and your favorite brand, after having a, a couple of really good albums, breaks up, and they decide they don't want to play music anymore. Or you have maybe an actor or an actress that you really like, and after a couple of hit movies or a hit TV show, like yeah, you know, I'm just going to go do something else. Are we? I don't think we're burning albums, or we're not burning movie posters after those things happen. What do you think it is about sports that we have so much deeper connections with these athletes that gives people? this type of reaction when someone makes a personal decision like this that we feel is, is personal against us? Why do you think that is?
1: That's a good question, Alex. I, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think everybody, you know, when you follow a team, you're all, doesn't matter where you come from in life in this world, you're all following that one team. And I think that's the one thing you band together. And if it hurts your team, so to speak, you just have a visceral reaction. And and I think that's what pro- it was raw on Saturday, I think. And I think anybody now probably pausing would probably go, well, I, I appreciate what he did for the franchise. And, uh, you know, but, but you do, you have raw reactions. Everyone handles it differently, but I would hope now that cooler heads prevail on a Monday morning or this week, I think people would pause and just say, you know what, he made a decision that's in the best interest of him, his family, his health moving forward. And only he knows those answers right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's obviously the the correct response to add to all of this is that that's a personal choice. And I, I think, by the way, too, I think the the reason why I think sports are just different than those other mediums is that you you know, a good movie or a good actor maybe makes, what, one movie every other year or, you know, a, an album drops every three years and you go on tour or whatever. Sports are just in your life every day. And it's, you you follow these people over the course of their careers, which can span, you know, I mean, in, in Tom Brady's case, he's going to play till at least 50. I've been following Tom Brady since I was however old and he's still in my life. And you've got this long history and there's just so much more time that you've spent, and more more emotion invested and it's just not quite the same. And it just, it just brings out, yeah, just something different when you have so much investment.
1: You know, no, no matter what, I mean, you make it up, right? I mean, I'll show my age, right? I started, I was a big Led Zeppelin fan. And now I'm probably still a big U2 fan. I mean, but, but at the end of their concert, you don't win. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, everyone wins because you've heard the music. Yep. But then you can go listen to the music in your car on the ride home, too or in, uh, you know, uh, with your earphones in or wherever you wanna be, But, but do you win? Do you win or do you lose? You know, and it's just, you know, that passion and emotion, I think, is is healthy for people because it shows you're alive. Uh, And I think that was incredibly, uh, I think, you know, a number of those fans probably just reacted in an emotional way. And, uh, you know, it kind of leaked out. And, you know, someone did their job from a media standpoint. They did their job. But, I mean, I don't think that's kind of how the Colts had planned it out. I don't think that was what they intended that night. But just the way he rolls, I thought he handled it pretty well that night.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's a classy guy. Always has been. It's been fun to see some of the mic'd up stuff that's been sort of replayed the last couple days of him with his just normal conversations with his teammates, with his coach. Just a really bright guy who's going to have a great life and a bright future. And it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, maybe one of those things. Not the first time someone's walked away sort of at, at the, you know, in the prime of their careers. A lot of guys have done it. He's not going to be the last, but you just, yeah, you wish wish him well and you hope fans do take time to appreciate and not to feel like it's a personal slight against them and their fanhood because he's making this choice and, and what's best for him.
1: Well, and, and you almost have to appreciate it. I mean, you, there's such a, a, a physical commitment to it. I'm sure emotional as well, but, but, um, you know, he just made that choice and that was it. So I got to meet his dad, uh, when I was on the division one council and, and, cool. and Oliver's a, a great guy too. And, uh, really smart and, uh, um, and so never met Andrew, but just seems like, you know, he's someone that, you know, even his senior year, right? He wanted to uh, spend that one last year at Stanford. And that yep. was kind of a, you know, decision. He, he's he been making decisions in a sense, uh, you know, in, uh, with probably input from others, but making the decision for himself. And you have to appreciate that.
0: Yeah, certainly. Well, as as we drift into fall sports season and, you know, UND fans out there, remember, remember like, we love that you take it seriously. We love that you care so much but always just trying to keep that separation and know that these these people that you're watching and you're cheering for you know they're they're individuals and and they care and they probably care more realistically they care more about the success you know than you do it that's that's kind of part of this deal and
1: in our student athletes aren't professionals and, exactly. and you know and and this this could be the highest level that they ever perform at potentially because you know majority will not go on so to speak and and, and earn a paycheck from from say the Indianapolis Colts or whomever but but at the end uh, you know I can tell you that they all of our student athletes our staff our coaches uh we're grinding every single day to try to figure out how how to get and again i'll say this one percent better right every single day to try to give us a chance to, to to provide the best product possible for our fan base
0: yeah that's always the hope and that's that is the goal as we enter into a new sports season so good well on that note bill anything else i think we're
1: good i appreciate it and uh we will uh we'll be back at it again next week
0: yeah, excellent. Episode number 41 coming your way early next week. So big thanks, as always, to Cassie Niles, our producer, to Bill Chaves, of course. And I'm Alex Heiner. Thanks again for listening. Get out and support. A lot of great UND events happening in at home or in our region. Support these teams as they get set to start or continue their fall sports seasons this week. We'll see you at the Alaris on Saturday. Take care. <laughs>